Thank you for joining me for Soulful Conversations with my community of fellow travelers, exploring the heart, the mind, and the globe. These conversations highlight what travel really means for the world. Soul of Travel honors the passion and dedication of the people making a positive impact in tourism. Each week, I'll be speaking to women who are tourism professionals, world travelers, and leaders in their communities. We'll explore how travel has changed them and how that has rippled out and inspired them to change the world. These conversations are as much about travel as they are about passion and living life with purpose, chasing dreams, building businesses, and having the desire to make the world a better place. This is a community of people who know travel is more than a vacation. It is an opportunity for personal awareness, and it is a vehicle for change. We are thought leaders, action takers, and heart-centered change makers. I'm Christine Weinbrenner-Eyrich, and this is The Soul of Travel. Lauren Heffron has been a professional bicycle tour guide for over 40 years, and as the founder of bike tour company Ciclismo Classico, is considered a pioneer in the bicycle travel industry. She is a bicycle travel visionary, educator, and advocate, and supports many cycling causes, such as Rails to Trails, Bikes Belong, Pan Mass Challenge, and Mass Bike. She has been a panelist at the National Bike Summit panel on bike tourism, is a bike photographer, and founded the annual Ciclismo Classico Bike Travel Film Festival. She and her bicycling passion have been featured in an array of media outlets, ranging from Inc. Magazine, USA Today, The Wall Street Journal, to Bicycling, CNN.com, and Forbes. Her purpose in life is simple, to share her passion for bicycle travel especially with those who are new to this wondrous two-wheeled activity. In our conversation, she shares why she thinks bike travel is so important and what it does for you. She explains about what it means to pedal your passion and how this style of travel creates space for engagement as travelers. Join me now for my soulful conversation with Lauren Heffron. Welcome to Soul of Travel. I am very excited today to be bringing Lauren Heffron onto the podcast to talk about her business. And she is the CEO, director, and founder of Cyclismo Classico. And I'm doing back-to-back bicycle conversations, which is kind of crazy because I haven't had any anyone who has that area of focus and all of a sudden my last two guests have been. So that's really exciting for me because the last guest was more into mountain biking. This is a little bit different, but I think talking about exploring the world from a bicycle is such a different perspective. I'm so excited to share your experience and your journey today. Hey, thank you. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I, I, I mountain bike a little bit, yeah, but I have to say I'm primarily a road cyclist, and I think it's because I, when I'm road cycling, it's it, I don't have a I don't have any like when you're mountain biking, you have to pay very much attention, and road biking you can kind of definitely lose yourself a little bit. 
Yeah, I I could see that contrast because I definitely just worry, really worried about not wrecking when I'm mountain biking is where I spend a lot of my time. As we get started, Lauren, I'd love for you to just introduce yourself to our listeners, let them know a little bit about you, who you are in the space of travel right now. And then we will get into the rest of your story after that. Sure. My name is Lauren Hefron. I am the director and founder of Chiclisco Classico, and we're in our 34th year. And I started my company, my mid to late 20s. I probably had been percolating it for a much longer time than that, as I think all great things that we do. And I started really with one tour, two tours in Tuscany, two different tours in Tuscany in 1989, and grew it slowly for about the first three years, meaning I was the primary tour guide. I had one employee, but by about 1995 and Therein, it did start ramping up pretty quickly. I mean, bicycle travel, as I always knew, was here to stay. And I always knew it was going to grow, as it did. And Italy is an amazing destination. And it just has continually grown, obviously not through COVID. But the predecessor to that idea was I, as I've been, I've been a cyclist my whole life. And I have to say my whole life because my parents, when I, when I spoke with them, they just said I was just always wanted to be on a bicycle. And then throughout high school, where I lived, I grew up in Key, New Hampshire, it was really a great hub for cycling. So I think as a young person, a bicycle was a great way for me to establish my my relationship with myself and my environment, which I did kind of unconsciously. I Maybe I didn't get along with my parents and I took a bike ride, or maybe I was having trouble with my friends and I took a bike ride. But bike, ride, bike riding always was something that I could count on. I could always, and I'm you know very active and I love nature and I love being outdoors. I always tell people if I didn't ride a bicycle, I'd probably throw me back 300 years and I'd probably just be a cowgirl riding across, uh, ride, ride across the country because it really satisfies something inside of me as a person some kind of wanderlust, some kind of exploratory personality. That's who I've always been. And it's a great speed for me. And it's a great, I love landscapes. It really does personally satisfy a lot. And as I began exploring things in my, when I was younger, I did sort of make a commitment to myself of my purpose, I guess, unconsciously that no matter what I did, I was going to, my job, whatever I did was going to involve cycling. So as I dabbled with other things and they didn't allow me to be outside that much and they didn't allow me to interact with people that much, I kept coming back to cycling. In college, I studied anthropology, which I think has been a great template for what I do because I'm a big believer in holistic thinking. I'm a big believer that, that sort of people, uh, cultures and people kind of create an understanding of the world through them. And, and so I did study anthropology at, at Cornell and I was also a bicycle store tour instructor. I kept sort of doing lots of things that I like to do. And that's sort of what I tell my own kids. Just dabble in what you like to do and, and kind of go in the direction of what you love. And that's what I kept doing. You know, and after Cornell, I was a, well, I was a bicycle tour instructor at Cornell and I did national outdoor leadership. So I started dabbling with outdoor education. And I really started thinking, God, I really love this. I love the people part. I love the teaching component. I love being outside. I like sort of when you're guiding a trip that you're always on and you're always problem solving. I became very good at problem solving. And then after college, didn't quite know what to do myself. And someone recommended that I go to Italy, which is where my family's roots are from. My, my parents, my mother, and my half my dad. And I went to Italy and I applied for a Rotary Scholarship. And I got a scholarship which was super because it was a year scholarship. It didn't have a lot of ties to any kind of American university or anything. I really was immersed in the Italian culture and ways. And I I didn't have an Italian-American school to attach on to. I, I learned Italian and I be, really loved it. I really say that when I went to Italy, 
like my other half is in Italy. I'm a definitely American, born and bred, but there's a definitely a deep part of me that's very old, old, I have an old soul, and that old soul really does come from Italy. And so living in Italy and cycling in Italy, I joined an Italian cycling club and my parents thought I was never coming home the way I was behaving because I just, I really just, I just loved it. I loved the landscape, everything about it. I studied art, studied painting. And I was there for three years and I love Florence. Florence is just home away from home. And however, at some point I just said, hmm, not really able to launch myself here. I kind of had, it was pretty real that I, and I have family at home. So I knew that I, something was pulling me back to establish something. So I reluctantly went back to the United States. It was very hard, but pretty soon afterwards, I just, of course, couldn't let Italy go. And I started I started thinking about this idea of, of starting a tour company. I, I, let, I was a tour guide. I had been a tour guide for teenagers and had done teenage tours. In fact, the way I got myself back after that experience was... I led, I led bicycle tours from, from Rome to London. And so then I just said, well, I worked as a tour guide for a couple of companies just once. I didn't you know, work very long. It wasn't long before I knew that I wanted to do it myself. So within having worked a summer with another tour company, I said, well, I'm going to try to do it myself. And uh, I started, that's when I started. It was, has always been this great combination of what I love. It still is. In the early years, I designed, I studied art. I did I have a lot of visual art background in my past. And I love photography. I was able to very easily get into the packaging part of the tour business, which is like, I love kind of re- representing what I love through how I present it. And that was a very important, and I love people. Sales was very, became very easy to me, sales. But for me, it was always the customer relationship would build upon sharing my passion, hearing people's concerns, and having people on a tour. It really combined a lot of my skill set. Running a business is a whole different thing. It, it is a great learning experience for me. I kind of immersed myself and was pretty of a self-taught business person. I never went to business school, but I did take a lot of business classes. And I could certainly recommend to the audience all kinds of what to do and what not to do. For sure, I think after 34 years, I've got plenty of those. But I think correctly that COVID really was a test of this purpose and this love that I have. And I'm still here and I'm still driven to show people the world. Certainly modified, certainly things have changed in my mind, but I'm still very driven about, driven to do what I love to do and to, to share. And more, even more than ever to actually mentor other people and to see how else I can help transform lives through active travel. It's definitely my purpose. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I, I love hearing in people's journeys and it sounds like probably really early on, you were really aware of what brought you joy and the ability to think about that that could be your purpose and that could be your profession. I think a lot of times, especially when we're younger and maybe something like cycling, will we will really quickly shelve that as a hobby or just like this thing that's a part of our lives, but we don't give ourselves permission to build our life on that foundation. I love that you uh, had that awareness. And then as you had other passions that travel and art and language, like as you started to discover those things, you didn't say, well, okay, what should I do with these? Like as a singular area of focus, but was really like, how can I bring all of this together and just keep bringing like more joy to my path and then seeing how that, can be shared with others. I think that's such a valuable lesson for people listening to just think about really what lights you up. I've talked about this before on the podcast that if you're operating out of that space and you're creating your business and your life out of that passion and that joy, 
like whatever you create has just a little bit more magic and the people that are engaging with you as your customers and travelers like feel that and they get something better for it. So I think yes. that's it's so cool to see that you really just use that as your like touchstone as you navigated through. And I don't think that, and I want to give people in the audience credit because it's not I don't think it's easy. I don't think our culture, I don't think our society it gives us permission to do that. I think it, it even now more than ever, and I feel sad for kids now because our our culture is a is a siloed culture, and, and even more than ever, you pick your niche, you go down, you drive down your niche, and the idea of the human humanistic studies and so forth is it came natural to me. It's almost like I it's like when you create a painting or any kind of any kind of artwork, you you like certain colors and you try to put them together. It's like well, I like certain things in my life and. I, some came together more naturally, others I had to kind of bring together. And I had the advantage of having parents that were very supportive, which is really important. And I had families that were supportive. And I had enough people that said I couldn't do it that I said I was going to do it. And that's important too. Like it's important to not search out everybody that is in favor, but the people that are kind of the naysayers hear that and then say, well, hmm, okay, let me you know, like prove, prove you a little bit wrong. So there's definitely a lot of determination. And I also feel fortunate that I started at a time, there was a lot of simplicity about it. We didn't have cell phones. There was a lot of just raw energy and raw talent. And I technologically, I didn't have to have a lot of technical, although I have technological skill now, the the barriers to entry, I think, were were easier. It was still hard. I mean, it was still hard work. But people, what I had to do with what people do now, it was it was hard, kind of hard. But I think that when I started, there weren't a lot of there weren't a lot of travel companies. I think I was the first woman to start a bicycle touring company. But it, that I have to say, it was a great time to start. And I and I think also when you're young, you're just young, and you don't have any. I have had nothing at stake. I, I had no, it was people say wasn't it hard starting? No, it was actually very easy to start for me. It was very easy. I just had I didn't have any kids or a house or anything. I just had myself, so I had to take care of myself. It's hard. I'd say it's harder. It was definitely harder in the, during COVID, but it's definitely harder as in my in my personal view as a company gets larger and you have more responsibility and you have more people at stake and you have employees and there's a lot of there's a lot more at stake. When you start when you're a solo entrepreneur, you have yourself at stake, which is huge. But it's it if you're feeling if anybody's feeling nervous to start by themselves and they have they don't have a lot at stake, it's actually a very good time to, to, to start. Hey listeners, it's Christine. Did you know that I have a book club? Actually, it's really more than a book club. It's a book sojourn. I launched my virtual book club in 2021, and it was such a powerful and valuable experience, we decided to bring it back again this year. This is a journey meant to inspire travel, create cultural awareness, and offer personal growth experiences from the comfort of your home or wherever you may be in 2022. Each moment we spend reading is a moment that endures in our bones. Reading wakes us up. Reading transports us to another world, another experience, or another perspective. Reading leaves us changed forever. Imagine who you will be at the end of this sojourn. Last year, women said it was one of the most powerful experiences they had. You can join us beginning in July for the last six months of this journey. Soul of Travel listeners will get a bonus call with me to welcome you to this experience and set our attentions and begin to build new community. Does this sound like the type of experience you've been craving? Visit lotussojourns.com backslash women's dash book dash club 
to join this unique travel experience today. Now let's hop back over to our soulful conversation. And I, I love thinking about that because I've been in the industry for about 20 years. So I, I can kind of remember like, one of the first companies I worked for was like just getting a website. And there was none of this, te- like you said, this technology that you really had to understand on top of wanting to create a travel company. You could just create it and find your travelers, but you didn't Really, I think a lot of entrepreneurs in this industry and others right now, it's like, okay, I have this idea. So the very first thing I need to do is build a website, get on social, have an email funnel, do my marketing. And you haven't even created your business really yet. Whereas you got to really take your passion, fold people in, and you didn't kind of have to worry about all of that part. Eventually, as you scale, you have to learn those other things. But I love talking to people in the industry that really started in like the 80s and the early 90s. And it's such a different experience. Like they very much felt like these like intrepid explorers that just brought people with them and shared their passion. And you didn't, you're not like, what's your Insta handle? No, you just like, I love travel. I want to share this with people. And they got to do it. It felt very different at that time in space and tourism. I think what I discovered during COVID was it really was back to basics because I had to cut my, I was spending on, again, to the audience, it, it is very easy. There's bells and whistles and shiny objects everywhere when you start a company. Well, there's everything on the sun that you can read and, and understand. And, and there's so much. And I've been to a lot of conferences in which I think that the bells and shiny and shiny objects are a little bit too much of the, um, they're too much. I think they'd be overwhelming to a young person. And I think that I, what I discovered the back to basic work too. Like one thing I did a lot during COVID 2020, I actually picked up the phone and just started calling customers. And it, no, granted, people aren't as available as they used to be on the phone, but during COVID they were people at home more, they maybe were answering the phone more, but it was, I realized, wow, I really enjoy talking to people again. And I, and I don't think that the basics are out of fashion. I think what maybe we're discovering and it might not be as apparent, but I think things are just going to swing in the other direction. People are getting overwhelmed digitally. They're getting oversensitized. And I, I hope that the way that going back to basics, picking up the phone and talking to people, I, I don't think that ever goes out of style. And honestly, it is the right pace. If you're going to start something, particularly the tour business, which has every tour has so many details, you're better off, really better off, I think, starting small and growing you know, within the realm of what you can do. Because remember, the biggest marketing of all is how well you deliver what you do. If you do a great job for 10 people, a super like excelling job for 10 people, then those 10 people will tell 10 more. And if you do it mediocre for 10, for 25, then that's you're actually risking more of what you do by trying to be so big so soon. And now when I look at people that are smaller, I'm, I feel like, oh gosh, I miss those days. Because I actually, I like, there was something about the smallness that you actually are able to, you, you have a control over the quality control better. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Again, I think that's just some real good general wisdom from an entrepreneurial path is, uh, especially in this world where we can see what everybody's businesses look like in front of us. And we see what their presence is today. And we see their website or their social media campaigns. And we think like that's where we have to start which was a, a huge hesitancy, even for me having been in the industry for a long time and, and knowing full well <laughs> that it's not true. My brain thought like, if I don't start looking like that, no one's going to come. 
And I think that we get into that mindset where we we don't realize that they didn't start there. They had to start with one trip. And like you said, they had to do it well and they had to grow their business. And if we try to start at someone else's 10-year mark, we're just not going to succeed. And so I really love that you kind of brought that attention to that detail because I think it, it's just, it's so much harder not to measure yourself against anyone else when it's so easily available. Whereas before, if I started a business in Seattle and you're starting your business in Boston or wherever, like we're not going to know about each other for a long time. We could have almost the same business because it just didn't, it just wasn't so available to us. I, I think it's really great to think about that. The next thing I would love to talk to you about, this came up when we first met, this idea of peddling your passion, which is like really kind of building on what we were just talking about is how we bring our passion into a lot of different areas in our life. And I I would love for you just to share with our listeners like what that means to you when you say that and what you're hoping to bring into people's lives through this way of thinking. Sure. And it was a recent... I have had many uh, bylines. The first one was transforming lives through active travel. And I had about three. And then I I like this one because what I... And this came from an evolution of the business. But back to the beginning again, which was I realized that people were cycling had become an intimidating activity. When I started, I'm telling you, I had everybody under the sun on a bike trip that nowadays would have no business on a bike. However, I'm I'm talking about like everybody, like in gym shorts and people just, they'd sign up for the, for the pure excitement of that sounds like fun. Right. And, and I'm like, yeah, it is fun. And I'm going to keep you safe. And it was, it was so hard, but the but the immediacy of people saying that sounds like fun was so innocent and so wonderful, which I think the way that people should approach travel. But as cycling became about Lycra, the fancy bicycles, and although it's boomed in the right direction and there's lots of niches in bicycling, there's commuting and everything, I realized realize that people are taking this too seriously. Like they're te- like they're asking me, well, I don't know if I do the trip, and they're all concerned about whether they're able to do it or not. And then I just started thinking, I, I don't know exactly where it came from, but I kept thinking, well, I bike for these reasons, like personally, I bike for a lot of reasons, but a lot of things, let's say I love photography. For me, it was always about like, I bicycle, have my camera, I take pictures, print my pictures, come home, look at my pictures, go paint my pictures. I mean, it was always about like my way of experiencing a place. And then I also have a passion for people. I loved, I go somewhere and, and I'd stop and talk to people, right? And then I'd also like animals. So all those things, I'd say that's my pedal for passion, although it almost encompasses everything. But I started thinking, well, as I saw people like I'm, I like food, but I wouldn't say I'm a big foodie, although I love food. But I did notice on our trips that people loved, they love the cooking lessons and they love, they, they love, I said, that person's passion is food or that person's passion was, I love history too. But like a lot of people love the bicycle trips because they like different trips for different reasons. They loved going into Florence or they loved it and they loved the artwork. It just started coming to me that bicycle trips is something for everybody, but it's not the same thing for everybody. 
And so that's, and that's like travel is kind of like in general, you just don't, everybody really should find things that they like about travel and, and then in continue to pursue that. So it just was my way of saying that bicycling is for everybody and that, well, maybe almost everybody, but, but I have to say, I've really, it's out of 7,000 plus people. I don't think there's ever been, I can't remember anybody coming back and saying, I'll never do a bike trip again. Like usually people discover often in their fifties, one of the things that sold me my very first year of business was I, I was probably whatever, 28. I had people in their fifties, which is kind of my core customer base, right? And they're their late fifties. And we're talking about a woman that had never been on a bicycle. And this woman, she's so cute. And I'm still in touch with her today. She's in her late eighties. Um, her husband was a big athlete and he was the big biker and she wasn't, but she was the one I adored the most because she had this beginner mind. She tried it. It was a big risk for her. It was a big deal that she took a bike trip. But she's, oh my God, she just, every time I call, those bike trips were the best thing that I ever did with my husband I ever did. And for me, that is more important than anything. If I had any wish, I would say all the fast bikers, they're going to be, they're going to bike anyway. And that's a passion too, by the way, pedal your passion could be, I like to go fast on a bike. I like to just get behind the wheel. I love the sweat. I love all that stuff. And that's, that's something that's a passion. What that's, that's the performance component. But my, the passion I'm interested in is the ones that say bicycling allows you to discover a passion that you have for just being outside or being fit or being with your husband. And this woman's, her passion was, I love being with my husband, but she couldn't be with her husband on a bicycle because she was so intimidated. So I've, that's where that goes. That's where the pedal your passion goes. It's about kind of realizing that a bicycle, in my opinion, is one of the best ways for a person to discover many parts of, of themselves physically. One of your passions might be, I love a challenge. Wherever I go, I love to get challenged. I love to go up a hill or maybe I love going downhill. It's it, You can see how people just think certain things about a bike trip turn them on or everything about a bike trip turns them on. And then when people's passions are sparked, it makes us more human. It turns us into connecting with ourselves because our passion is about like our emotional core. That's why marketing is always about where do I touch the person's like where do I touch the person's emotions, and and when you're on a bike trip and if if I'm if I succeed in delivering to you and and sparking one of your passions or even even wanting making one emerge, then I really feel like I've succeeded. If you come home and you and you say, oh my god, I'm transformed, and I've had that. I've had people in their fifties. That's very it's very important. It's true and it's important. I think difference. Of a Chiclisma Classico trip, not every not every tour company wants to achieve that. Some people, but that's very much our mission. Is is our guides want to help? Like we're the we're the connectors. We're the connectors from the person and the place, and we want to or the activity. And and our job is to kind of make that spark. I love that, and I I love that you said that is something that sets you apart because. I definitely find myself drawn to people who look at travel as this way of engaging both with the external environment, but through getting to understand ourselves. And I think that that is a really great place for travelers to, to like add something else to their experience. You could, anyone could go on a bike journey in Italy And it could just be this nice bike journey, but like to really think about why you're there, what is your passion, like discovering something new about yourself that you can take home afterward. Maybe you didn't really know that you love food preparation because at home you're busy and working quickly, working all the time and you order food in, or then you get this moment where you discover like 
love of the way an olive oil tastes or like there's just this little thing that like you said might ignite this whole new part of yourself and I love that I love that picture that you painted for us I do think this would be a great moment to talk about how travel does create the space for inner dialogue and inner knowing and I think especially on a bicycle because you are out there, I'm, I'm sure that your many of your rides are all day long. And so you're, you, you might be traveling with your husband, but you're with yourself on that bicycle. How, how do you think that has um, created this connection for people? Or what does that look like for you on a journey? Sure, it's very important. And I, I want to also add, you can, I go, I bicycle every day, right? And some days I'm just more kind of like, I have my little route and I bike, but I, I do on the weekends or I just went with a client last night and she laughed because she's a really performance cyclist. And I took on a ride and we stopped and we looked at the goat. We, you know, I introduced her to some of my goat friends and all that. And she laughed. But I think, first of all, I think it's an attitude, right? If you approach everything in your life as kind of getting from one point to the other, you're no matter what you do, you're kind of not approaching life like a journey. And it's very easy, like I said. So I think, again, going back to the bike as a metaphor why I think cycling as a, as an activity allows that to happen, particularly road cycling, but maybe for some people, mountain biking, cycling is a forward motion. It's linear. It's horizon. It literally like kinesthetically biofeedback wise, your body is in this kind of rhythm. When I think that when our bodies are in a rhythm, something ticks for us. I actually call it meditation in motion. Like I'm not a great meditator. I know you're not supposed to be a great meditator or not, but <laughs> for me, the movement on a bicycle is similar. And I, I, cause I compare, I've meditated and I bicycle, right? So when I, when I bicycle, how they say no thoughts are wrong, but you're meditating. You know, and so the thoughts are kind of when I'm pedaling, whatever happened to me in the day, sometimes I always tell people my tail starts wagging too much. I'm like a dog that wants to go for a walk, right? But there's a reason for that because all of us have energy. We all have this energy. And we were taught in a very young age to suppress that, to go to school, to sit down. And all of a sudden we went from kids that in the playground, they were meditating, they were playing, they were discovering their inner selves by whatever they were doing. And all of a sudden as adults, we, that stopped. And I think I always... I bicycle. I always say there's nothing wrong. And there's no such thing as a bad bike ride. I think more than anything consistently in my life, other than eating, I've, I've always ridden, not because I'm obsessed, but because I know that that's my, it's my meditation. So when I'm riding, like I said, the linear motion, the kind of spinning motion, the way that the thoughts kind of fly off, they fly around whatever happened during the day, they fly around. And then something sort of distills, like something just keeps coming back. And if I had a and a good interaction, bad interaction that kind of spins around and, and it, it come back. And for some reason, there's clarity, there's clarity, there's just total clarity. And, and that's, a, I know that it's biofeedback. So again, I think if you're, if anybody's contemplating bicycling, walking is nice too. I find the I, I find the breathing part going back to the meditation quality, like you're biking, you're breathing. And sometimes I'll actually try to be even more intent, intentional. Okay. For the next two minutes of my bike ride, I'm just going to really tune into my pedal stroke. I'm going to tune into my breathing. I'm going to look around at the light. And that's sort of that, like, let me take it. Let me be present. Like, let me be. And, and that's something you have to actually, I think it is very easy when you exercise because people call it exercise. But when people go out in a bike, it's like, I'm going to go and do my workout. I'm going to keep my speed at a certain level. I'm going to get back and forth in an hour. And that's a little bit, that's a slippery slope towards not really allowing that activity 
to perform its mental health on you. Like it, it, it becomes exercise and, and your any kind of activity you do, I think is always an opportunity for you to tune into your mind. And I think it's, for me, it's been amazing, really. I, it's really been a lifesaver. And every day I have a gratitude list and I, I resist riding bicycling, but I usually do because I says I, it's my health. It always makes me like I'm healthy. Like I'm blessed because I'm healthy. I'm blessed because I can ride a bicycle. And, it, and it's something that I, I can do every day that says, okay, the day could have gone completely wrong, but I got outside yesterday was a first day that the everything's I just started happy. I has not been a great morning. And then I went out and things are starting to bloom and people are outside. And, and it was like, I came home and who can, it just keeps me up. It keeps my, it keeps me connected to who I am. That's what, that's what it does interpersonally. And, it, and I, I, I'm kind of an ambivert. I, that's my new term because I heard it on another podcast. I'm an extrovert and I'm an introvert, right? I, I like, I just talked to a client and he wants to know whether he on a bike trip, does he, can he spend time with himself? I said, himself, I said, of course. On a walking tour, maybe not because you're walking with a group of people. But the great thing about a bike trip is you could be with a group of people, which I love. I'm very extroverted. People just are totally a spark to me. But then I just like, okay, see ya. And I, I go and I'm, I connect with the landscape or, or those thoughts that I have to play out of my head. Or so it really, I think a bike bicycling is a great way to kind of connect to your, to be by yourself or to be with other people. Yeah. So it's, you know, as you can see, I love, I'm pretty, I, I love it. I really do. Yeah. That's one of the things I loved when we first met is that the, the deep belief that you have in cycling as this experience that people need to have is very infectious. Like I just, I love it. I love how much you love bicycling and it really comes across. And I think that's something I really wanted to share is that they're, they're just, I think we, we sometimes, and I think culturally, as you mentioned, we just don't allow ourselves that much joy. It's like, Oh, your joy got here. You better do something like, don't let anybody catch on to the fact that you're that happy because that's not, that's not okay. <laughs> like I think of all these kind of dystopian movies or things like that, where it's oh just like, we're just not allowed that joy. And it's, I actually have a sticky note on my computer is I run through this cycle where I notice that I'm like starting to creep up and I shut myself down and I have a note that says I deserve joy. It doesn't cost anyone else anything. <laughs> and so just like this reminder that that's, really, it's okay to be able to find joy and cultivate that in your life and share it with others. And I think it, I think it happens too, when you stop measuring and I, I I'm writing, I'm helping someone write a blog that's going to be in Forbes magazine and it's called slow. Well, I'm calling it the, um, I think the art of the art of slow travel and bicycling. I forgot what I, exactly what I titled it, but I really made a distinction between the performance cyclists and the the traveling cyclists. And I think, I think the joy sometimes you can't force it, but if you pull away all the things that are removing it, like are, t- are taking it away. So for example, the idea of exercise, like I, I when I'm with my children, I try, I don't even use the word exercise. I just say active, active. And then when people say, how fast does everybody go on a bike trip? I say, well, when you go, you go whatever speed you like, there's no, don't, and, or I'll, I even say, because cycling, like anything else, any other activity has become such a measuring kind of sport. How fast did you go? How far did you go? And now I'm I'm kind of testing people. How many how, how many endorphins did you create? Like, are you you creating endorphins? Are you create the activity should be creating endorphins? And if you're smothering those endorphins by thinking about the measurement component, which you do, which we do, so you just 
I would even challenge anybody to say, okay, I, I like the bike in another, you know, the performance way, but I'm going to take one ride and I'm going to not think about how far and I'm not going to think about how fast and, or maybe I'll even go with someone who's slower. People say, oh, Lauren, I can't keep up with you. I'm like, that's silly. If you're going to bike with me, well, then we're going to ride together. That's, and it is about when you re- sometimes reframing just the act. Yes, joy is important, but if you even reframe how you do something, you just reframe it, the joy can actually come as a result. Mm-hmm. That's the result of the reframing. And and sometimes you just have to be really intentional. But on a bike path, which I bike a lot on, there's all kinds of little kids. And it doesn't take anything than seeing a little kid on a bike. When I'll always say, good job. And, and they, that little grin will come to their face. And they they love their pink bicycle and their pink helmet. And it's it shows that like little kids always get it. They're always getting it. And we just have to continue to look towards, I think, I'm a big believer that children are just always offering us this poet poetry towards our the life that we should we should strive towards and i've done it so long like this and i don't always not it's not always like it happens but it more than ever actually i'd say more than lately all throughout covid i i was doing these things i called serenity bike rides and i would just go out in the morning and since nothing was happening and nothing was going on and none of my events around boston were happening i just said well i guess i'm just gonna bike all day and i did and i you know, have good endurance but i if you don't try to go really fast and if you actually go under like what you like pushing, you actually can ride all day. Mm-hmm. I think it's just, I think it's an approach towards an activity. It's an approach towards, towards something to not kill the activity because you want to kill yourself. Yeah. You end up kind of like making it like it should be not, should not be dread. And I think people have to say when something that potentially is joyful, I'm not, I'm getting some kind of dread around it. That you have to examine that. You have to say, why is that? And what I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to try. Yeah. Oh, I think that's like the most brilliant thing that came out of this conversation. Cause I think about like how much you love, like I love reading. And then let's say you're taking a course and maybe it's a, a book you would have read anyway, but now it's a part of this course. And so then like some dread creeps in, you're like, oh, I have to get it done on time. I have to get it done for this specific outcome. And or like yoga, maybe you love yoga. So you decide to do a 30 day yoga challenge. But then what comes up is you realize, well, I don't like, I don't want to be beholden to this challenge. I just want to do yoga because I love it. Or like, there's all these different ways that I think we can take that into our life, even in our work, like maybe we really deeply love our work. But then you start over committing and you find yourself like against all these deadlines and all of a sudden you are losing that connection that you have to it. So I think having that awareness and then just asking like, where is it coming from? What can I shift? Could I even spend one day in the office, just like remembering who I was when I launched my business and like trying to rekindle that, that spark that you have. Yes. Yeah. Well, we have, a lot, we have a world with a lot of pressures in it. So it's completely understandable. It's just that you have to resist against it. And I think with travel is interesting too, because having been doing this for so long in the travel business, people become like the perfect example would be someone is planning this beautiful trip and they're, and they have a nine day trip and then they keep their schedule so tight. Basically they land already full of pressure because they didn't give themselves a buffer day. So they're investing in the vacation and then they, they don't give themselves a buffer day on each side. And so before you knew it, they're rushed to get to the place and there's stress and it, and it takes them a couple of days to de-stress. And then the other end, they have to fly the morning of the, the you know, the, the day off. And like, why are you doing this to yourself? Why do you like, and then that becomes, and then that kind of ricochets all through the trip and all the people and, and even us. And then like the, like, it's so interesting the way people, 
they impose, they have a self, like I, they impose kind of pressure on the, on the situation. Like they just put themselves in a situation of pressure or the travel, how people, they, sometimes I wonder, are you, are you wanting, are you going on a trip to travel or are you going on a trip to count to kind of rack up like things that you see and get, have their schedules so tight, so, so tight. I don't have tight. I don't have tight. I don't have a tight schedule in general. I have like priorities. What do I want to get done? But I, I, I'm, I think I've always learned that I have to give myself enough air in, in what I do, enough space. And I think I do that more unconsciously, but I'd see, I think travel, I, I hope that people start giving themselves a little more breathing room and not be so much about kind of making travel into something and another, another thing they have to perform at another thing. They have to get perfect. Another thing. Oh, oh my gosh. It's, we impose so much pressure on ourselves. Yeah. And I think it can go both ways. It can go on like a sightseeing tour where you're like, okay, my goal is I'm here and I'm going to see all these things. And like you said, like from 7am until 9pm or midnight or whatever, you just have your schedule stacked so full that you're seeing all these things, but you're actually not like present to any of them. So it's as if you the experience at the end of the day doesn't even really feel like it happened because you didn't take time to integrate it and feel it and be there. Whereas if you had chosen like one thing each day, it's going to be this like momentous peak to each day and you have time to be with it. And then even if your goal was like to go to a beach and just like super relaxed, then you might find yourself like, like really frustrated that you have to relax. And if something happens and you like, you're not relaxing, then you're mad at yourself or you, maybe you're drinking a lot and then you're really tired and you're still not relaxing. It's like, the way we think about it, it's very interesting. And I do think the space of travel and what we're asking out of travel is evolving. I think it's evolving towards what you have set out to create where, like like you said, we really want to be present. We want to look at what travel is awakening within us. And we want to bring that back into our lives. Like It's becoming this much more, I think, like nurturing space. And then this is also allowing us to appreciate where we are. And, and then I think that will ripple out into this like gratitude towards a place, which I think will also lean into uh, so many in the industry right now are focusing on what we can do to create a better world through travel. I think this like perspective shift is really like all a part of that happening. Yes. I hope, I hope so. I really do. I get that was a lot of what I did existentially during COVID I had to think about was I am in the travel business and the travel business has to say, you know, we're responsible as a, as a business for the environment. And I had to that I started bicycle tours uh, here in, domestically in the United States uh, for a lot of reasons, the pivoting for, through COVID. But then I really, the way I, by design, I created the trips was people, we, we started and ended the same place because I started thinking, well, if I'm going to create anything else. I want to really eliminate vehicles and, and I want to use a, utilize a bicycle as much as I can because I, I I think, yes, I think we have a responsibility. The travel business has a very big responsibility to promote kindness for sure as an anthropologist, anthropologist studying anthropology, cultural appreci- appreciation and, and understanding and empathy, you know, is a part of what I, the template that I learned. And that's a big responsibility. That's everybody that goes to the travel business has a responsibility towards making sure that travelers are, and I, for the most part, anybody I've met in my world, our world of adventure travel, it's usually the case. All my traveling colleagues are, are like that, but it's a responsibility to model, role model as a tour guide, being kind to the local people, smiling at the local people, whatever. It's not very complicated, 
but in, in, in got and tour guides go a long way and tour owners go a long way by, by setting a role model about how we treat other people. Because my gosh, nowadays, that's all we can, we all we can, we can't do a lot is out of our control. But what we can do is to travel simply with as with less fuel, uh, fossil fuels as possible, which of course, if we fly, that makes things really difficult. But we have to think about the, the opportunities that travel gives us to be simple and simplicity. Because again, we can't do a lot. We're in a real tough place, but and we certainly can do a lot with kindness. We certainly can tr- really try. We have to make, I believe, an exerted, just a bigger effort. I know that I have to, I ask myself that all the time because mm-hmm. our world is such a tough place. And I think travelers have such a great opportunity to interact with other people, the, their fellow travelers themselves internally, like you said, and then also externally. That goes a long way to making the world, at least in the present moment, a nicer place. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I love that. I have always thought of myself as the responsibility of being an ambassador of where I'm coming from and a guest of where I'm going to. And it's it's just always been the way I have felt. And That's not, I like that. Thank you. I and before like I understood what that meant. I just knew what it felt like. And and I would find myself in a situation where I would be like, okay, we're not, I don't feel like this is happening right. I don't think this is happening with kindness and respect. And now I'm learning with the language that's coming up about how tourism can be extractive or how tourism is like has these different ways where things would happen. I'm, I can go back to those moments and be like, oh, okay, I see why that felt uncomfortable. But I think the, the kindness that you're talking about is so important because it really goes a long way. It goes a long way in the ripple you leave and it goes a long way in what comes out of the experience for you, which then I think like we said, kind of carries forward in your life. I love that that is kind of where we're ending this conversation because I think it's such an important message for travelers. Thank you for bringing us to that space. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Well, as we end the conversation, I want to give you this space to let people know where they can find you and travel with you and look for... I know you also have some virtual events and local events and different ways people can engage with your community, where where, where would they access that information? Yeah, sure. So yeah, my company is called Chiclismo Classico, www.chiclismoclassico.com. And Chiclismo is C-I-C-L-I-S-M-O. It's not, not, not with a Y. We have a lot of events. We have a weekly, we call it the Chiclismo Show. And, and we've been presenting about uh, different destinations. And that's been really nice because it, it brings us back to the way that I started, which was slideshows. I had slideshows. I did like my... My dog pony show all over the country with slideshows. So that's great. And that's every Thursday. We have a film festival. We've had, we have, usually have three or four of them a year. This year, they're still a little bit, they're catching back up again. But that was a, our bicycle travel film festival. And in our, on our webpage at the bottom, there's an event. You can click on the events and you'll see all the events that we offer. Every year we do a jingle ride that's local, but that's a, a big holiday ride. I'm also very available. I look forward to the opportunity to speak to young business people or any any age, um, really, but anybody that's starting a business. I, I definitely have some strong feelings about what to do and what to not to do. And I don't have a ton of time, but if someone wants to send me an email, lauren at chiclismoclassico.com and just set up a time to talk and, and about anything specific, I might come back and say, what, what specifically do you want to talk about? But I'm open to doing that for sure. We have a lot of tours coming up in, in Italy. We have tours. Our tours are launched. They're happening in May and June and July, all the way till the fall. We have trips also in, in Europe, mostly Italy. And then also next, we have some, um, some tours domestically. I'm doing day trips. I do day trips now from Boston, which I love too. That's kind of... I really am involved with a lot of a lot of 
local businesses and a lot of advocacy groups locally about cycling because of, because it is. And if you are one of those people that has a business that's promoting transformational travel or active travel and you want to have any kind of you know partnership or anything, I'd be happy to have a chat with people. So in general, you might I might be calling on a bike ride because I don't I'm usually pretty focused when I'm in the office on, on work stuff, but I go for a ride and sometimes I'll people see me on my phone chit chatting with people, but it's it's, it's fine because I, I actually am in a very good place. My mind is pretty fluid. I, I have no problem, but that's probably that. So if you hear me in a little bit of wind in the background, that's because I'm 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 talking to you on my bicycle. But no, and uh, if you're ever in the Boston area, just give me a call and, you, and you, if people have their bicycle, I, I'd, I'd be happy to go for a ride. Thank you. I love that. And I really just want to honor that you made that offer. I feel like this is something I love so deeply about this industry and specifically this segment of adventure travel and educational travel that I feel like we, when we say that a lot of times people think, oh, people said that, but they're just like saying it. And I I feel like I've never met anyone who didn't deeply mean it, who didn't honor that, that promise it's like we we really want to bring other people into this world because we love it so much, and we, it really is an open door. I appreciate it's, um, and it's and it's hard work. It's I hard. honor anybody in the travel business because I know that it's not just the front line, but it's like you're running a whole stage production when you're doing a you're doing in in the travel business. I know I don't think anybody nobody can stay in this business very long if they they don't have those feelings. It's it's just, it's very hard work. And anybody that survived in 2020, the travel business, like any restaurant, they deserve a big giant hug and applause to anybody out there that is just holding on tight. And, but I think that's a great, it's a great topic for conversation in the future. I'm happy to chat with anybody about that. Thank you. Well, the last thing I have is a few uh, rapid fire questions, if you're willing to join me for those, and then that'll end our time. But sure. uh, the first question is, what is your favorite book or movie that offers you a travel escape or inspires adventure? Oh, wow. Yikes. Well, I love, I, I have to say, I'm a, I am I have been so into Mary Oliver. Every morning I read a Mary Oliver poem and I love her connectivity to nature. It's so resonates so much to me. So I'm, I like, I'm not a, I don't read a lot of fiction and I'm a National Geographic devotee. So I read National Geographic all the time. And, but I'd say I, I love poetry. I'm a very eclectic and I'm a fi- not a favorite kind of person. And I like that kind of thing. And then my favorite movie. Oh my gosh. Good question. Boy. Oh, yikes. That's a good question. I might get stumped there. Cause again, I don't, I watch a lot of different kinds of things. Yeah, Life is beautiful. When I think of Italy, that one, I have to say that one is one of my favorites. Okay. What is always in your suitcase or backpack when you travel? Well, unfortunately my phone, but fortunately it is. I'd say I bring a sketchbook, even though it's wishful thinking, but I always say, well, let me pack my sketchbook. I have my, my pen. And I really try to be more intentional because I love to, I do love to draw and I love to doodle a book. I always have some kind of book, a couple yeah. of them usually. That's pretty much it. Depending on where I'm going, I have this moment where I grab my markers and like one of the meditative coloring books because I love doing it and I'll throw it in there and I can't even tell you how many times I get back and I unpack it and it never came out and I'm like, oh, really? why? And you then the inten- it was there. It was there. The intention <laughs> was there. So it's okay. I have to say, if at least, at least you want, you really, something about you wants to. And I actually have been doing little, little tiny drawings every morning, like really a half an hour of playing with color because I just had to stop like wishing to do it. I had to just kind of do it. Mm, and there's biofeedback when you start doing stuff enough. It, it comes back to you. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's such another good, great tip out of the conversation. What has been your favorite destination? Oh, here goes another favorite. I love Italy. My home. Italy's my home away from home. And, and I think within Italy, I love Sardinia. I love islands. I really do love where I feel soulful is a, is a big open landscape and where I like 
It depends on my mood, but I'd say Italy. I, I spent a lot of time in Argentina. I love Argentina. And I love New England where I come from. I, I, I think it's a beautiful place. So I'm, I, I like a lot of places. I like a lot of places. They fulfill, again, a lot of parts of me, different parts of me. Yeah, I love that um, language again for people listening, like how it, how a place makes you feel. Might not be the first thing you think about when you think about a destination, but I, I love that. I also love open spaces and places that create awe. Like I feel like right. that in me is magic. I went to Peru. I spent six weeks in Peru, and I was up in the um, Indian mountains. And something, some places, not only you love, but they literally there's there's something your soul. Like there's something something is calling it. And that doesn't happen too often. Like mm-hmm. I tell you one place, Lofoten islands of Norway, that place. I, I cried when I arrived and I cried when I left that place just hit me like a, a, a ton of bricks. Every, it had everything mm-hmm. and it had everything in an amazing kaleidoscope of colors and sounds. So Lofoten islands, look them up. It's expensive. It's far. It was amazing. I wish for every traveler and I wish I could share it with them is that destination where you cry when you arrive and you're crying when you leave. And it's not out of like anything. It's like out of magic. Like yeah. you're, like you said, your soul is just like, I've waited my, my whole life to get here and I don't want to leave. <laughs> and I've, I've had that a few times. That and was the Lofoten Islands. And my kids were laughing at me and I just told them to be quiet. Cause I was like, had a, I was having a mom moment of just like hanging by the back of the boat and just watching the Island go away farther <laughs> and farther away. <laughs> oh, it's so good, man. These rapid fires with you are the best part. Where do you still long to visit? Wow. Another good question inside myself. <laughs> It's kind of a weird question, but no, I've been, I've been thinking about that a lot. Where do I long to visit? Oh gosh, I have traveled. I really never been a place I've never been that I should go, or a place like Australia, and New Zealand, and I've never been to Asia. I, I do love South America. I, I mean, you know, I'm long, I often long to go back to places. I like when places become a home. I like when I go and I want to go back. And so I'm not again checking off all the places I want to go. I, I also think I think what I long to do. I would long to, I don't know if I'd be able to, but I really would love to take a very long bike trip, like a very long, like I I often think I must go around the world on my bike or I must do another long, long trip. Cause I want that. I just want that daily of like the adventure, like all I can think, all I need to think about is just getting up and and then moving all day long. That's something I long to do and a a kind of adventure I long to do. Yeah. What do you eat that immediately connects you to a place you've been? Wow. Mozzarella cheese. <laughs> bufala, mozzarella di bufala. That says Southern Italy right away. Yeah. Who was the person that inspired or encouraged you to set out and explore the world? Oh, I'm going to cry. Oh, it was my dad. My dad. It was my dad. Yeah, it was my dad. And if you could take an adventure with one person, fictional or real, alive or past, who would it be? Oh, that's a good one. Wow. Well, it used to be David Letterman. He's too old now. Uh, I don't like. I don't like his beard. Um, <laughs> so, who would it be? Oh my God! Maybe like a Bonnie Raitt or some fiery badass woman. Maybe like that would be fun. Like some, some yeah, like those women of the past. Like you read about them and you go, oh my God! No one's maybe an artist, Frida. Like Frida. I mean, like an artist. Like that would be great. Some great artist that I, she would just paint. Yeah, someone bold. Again, I'm thinking it would be someone bold that would even knock me farther out of my own comfort zone. 
Mm. Um, but those are, that's a good one. I'm going to have to remember that one. I'm going to think about, I'm going to think about all these on a bike ride that I didn't an- answer appropriately. Yeah. And you answered them all appropriately. I love that so much. I really want people to just think about how travel makes them feel and how they want travel to make them feel. I feel like this is our takeaway and life really. Thank you so much for this. Yeah, thank you. Thank you everybody out there for those great questions. I'm going to think about that. Who am I going to travel with? I, I don't have to write, I have to write, I have to write that down, but that was great. That was excellent. Well, thank you so much. I thank you so much for the opportunity to just talk about what I love and, and to connect with other people. Cause that's really important. That's another important thing about travel. It's sort of like this distillation of goodness and, and great thinking. And I miss that a lot. I miss that. And I can't, that's very important is just to be able to kind of how one conversation sparks and spins out another one. Um, well, thank you so much, Christine. And thank you everybody for, for joining the conversation. Thank you. Great. Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Soul of Travel. I hope you enjoyed the journey. If you love this conversation, I encourage you to subscribe, rate the podcast, and share the episodes that inspire you with others. I am so proud of the way these conversations are bringing together people from around the world. If this sounds like your community, welcome. I am so happy you are here. You can find all the ways you can be a part of the Soul of Travel and Lotus Sojourns community at www.lotussojourns.com. Here you can learn more about Soul of Travel and my guests. You can see details about the transformational sojourns I guide for women, as well as my book Sojourn, which offers an opportunity to explore your heart, mind, and the world through the pages of books specially selected to create a unique journey. I am all about community and would love to connect. You can find me on Facebook at Lotus Sojourns and join our community, the Lotus Sojourns Collective. Or follow me on Instagram, either at Lotus Sojourns or at Soul of Travel Podcast. Stay up to date by joining the Lotus Sojourns mailing list. I look forward to getting to know you and hopefully hear your story. Your story.